How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin, with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books. Chapter 7. No pressure. Things could not be going better with Ange. We had the same things in common, the same pet peeves, and we started adopting each other's phrases and mannerisms. After a couple more dates like that, we decided to be exclusive. I was right about our instant connection, and now I have proof. I even liked who I was becoming around her. I was more cheerful at work and wasn't an insufferable dick at home. The honeymoon phase was going great, and I couldn't be happier. But the honeymoon was about to come to a plane crash of a halt. It was finally the end of the fall semester and the Christmas vacation at work. The principal of the school decided to have a Christmas party for all staff members and one guest each. Since Bruce was unavailable, I decided to take Ange. They were throwing it at a hotel instead of the gym, since the last thing anyone wants to do is be caught sober. Obviously, you don't need drugs or alcohol to have fun, but we all love to talk shit about students and how we all hate our jobs, though it's the only thing we would do for 40 years and tolerate it. Black tie was optional. But fun was mandatory. Jesus, even Bruce couldn't write a better slogan than that. Ange doesn't drink, so she volunteered to pick me up. Modern women are the best, aren't they? Although it's best if they give you an inch, not to take the whole football field. She uh, pulled up in this stunning black dress and a smile. I walked out, putting on my jacket with an undone tie and a flask in my mouth with my head tilted back to take a swig. I'm such a charmer, it's sickening. Her smile quickly turned into a frown. It turned to outright disgust when I gave her a peck on the cheek, reeking of bourbon. Are you seriously showing up at this party like this? In front of your future colleagues and your bosses? You smell like a bar. I took out my cigarette since I only smoke when I drink. Worries, I'll change it to a smokehouse. I got in the car and she slammed her door shut. We're getting you some coffee to sober up before you get there. I had no say in the matter. Sounds good. How was your day? I'm not talking to you until we get there. Jesus, I haven't been this angry at someone in a long time, Doug. I exhale my cigarette and say with sarcasm, At least I know you care but it was lost entirely. She slammed on the brakes and said, Take it back or I'm turning around. Now shit was getting serious. I was being sarcastic, babe. I know you care. Otherwise you wouldn't be mad. I'm sorry I overdid it with the pre-gaming. She noticeably lightened up, but squeezed in one more line. Grow up, Doug. Best I forgive you ever. We grabbed coffee and along the way I cracked a few jokes to get her giggling. Now, I was not totally sober, but I was getting away with it. We parked the car. She gave me a stick of gum for my breath, and we started to walk in. As we walked in, my co-worker Brenda spotted me and said, Doug! We whipped around to see this woman with a champagne bottle in each hand, mascara running, and a dress hanging so low I could count stretch marks near her areola. Are you ready to get fucked up? I couldn't help but laugh and say, yeah, we're just trying to figure out how to pull your dress up, bud. She looked down, uh, dropped the bottles, and shattered them to pick her dress. 
She looked down and started to cry. We were so young! She started walking off crying. I turned to Ange and informed her that Brenda is the health teacher who specializes in drugs and alcohol. This is as much irony as one can muster for a lifetime. We walked in and it was packed to the wall with people. So I started hammering them down to match Brenda, not thinking about the woman I was with or the conversation we just had in the car. I wanted to have fun with my friends, all the while disregarding the woman I loved the most. Boyfriend material? I am not. I turned around and noticed she wasn't there. She wasn't even on the premises. She drove home and left my dumbass there. At least this girl had a head on her shoulders. Initiating sequence, turbines to speed, loading program, and here we are! Loser mode, the state of mind I reside in most. I just shunned the girl who could have been the one all the way home. Let's see the fabulous prizes. Why, it's a bottle of lotion, my left hand, and the internet. What else could I fuck up today? Oh wait, but there's more. I just threw up the appetizers all over my father's suit. That's right. I can't even afford my own suit. I love my shit life di- The rest of that sentence had been cut off by the second coming of vomit. It's no secret that rock stars and their wannabe counterparts enjoy drinking the island of Ireland down to the last few drops. They get so demolished on a frequent basis to deal with their absolute shit self-esteem. Obviously, there are people who have a head on their shoulders. But that's all two of them. Most people who go into entertainment have the self-image of a banana slug. We've already talked about how they perform and make a group of strangers like them, but when they get off stage, they all go home and they're left with nobody but themselves. The loneliness gets overbearing and they drink to feel happy. The truth is, booze doesn't make you happy. It makes you feel nothing. To some, nothing is better than pain. But contentment and self-love are better than anything else. If this wasn't a wake-up call as to how I could lose her, I didn't know what was. I went up to my reserved room and fell asleep while the rest of the party enjoyed dessert. I woke up the next morning and I'm so hungover that I could hear the carpet scrunching. I had never had a hangover as bad as this, and I hoped to God I would never get this way again. The only thing I could do now was assemble the clean clothes and put the dirty clothes in a laundry bag. So, I put on my jacket with no shirt, pants with no underwear, and socks with no shoes. I'm looking like a big star right about now, huh? I caught an Uber home and let myself in. Not even Bruce wanted to say hi because I smelled so putrid. I threw my clothes in the wash and hopped in the shower. No inspirational song now, just running water of the shower, sounding like the blessed rain down in Africa. I got out, grabbed three to four bottles of water, and lay in bed, lifting my body only to drink whatever I could keep down. And I stayed there the whole day. I didn't get a text from Ange the whole day. That made the hangover feel like a halo by comparison. I called her about once an hour until eight in the morning the next day. I'm an overnight caller. That's how pathetic I am.
I felt well enough to get out of bed and drive, so I drove to get a greasy burger and damn near swallowed it whole. I just want to have something in my stomach to soak up the alcohol. I then zoomed over to Angie's to try and talk to her. I knocked and rang the doorbell for just shy of 56 minutes, judging by how far the guitar neck had swung around my watch compared to the whammy bar. A cool watch, right? <laughs> she finally came to the door. She opened it, and I started in on my bullshit. Look, I know what I did was fucked up, and I shouldn't have been as bad as I was. You told me to cut it out, and I ignored you, and I shouldn't have, and... She looked past me the whole time. She did the coldest thing I ever saw. She picked her phone up. Sorry, Mom. Nobody's here. Nobody living to me, anyway. Obviously she was furious, but there was a small part of me that thought, this is the end of it. The final nail in my coffin. I drove home. I had a stare that I never had before. The my life is over stare. Everyone has had it at some point in their lives, but this was the lowest I had ever felt in my life. My ended engagement seemed like Mount Olympus by the view from the bottom. I got home and did the only thing that made sense. I went downstairs and tried to find the hit song I would never release. I don't know why, but this seemed like a good time to play acoustic. Maybe find the I'm Sorry song I've rewritten about a hundred times before. I mentioned back at the studio about pedals that artists use to modify the sound or tone they play in, but let's take a tour of mine. In order of the proper layout, it goes filters, distortion, modulators, and time-based. I don't really play with any filters, but distortion and fuzz take up three pedals on my board of six. It can fit up to about 20, but I'm not so high-maintenance. That I have one echo pedal, one reverb, and oddly enough, a loop pedal. A loop pedal is the master tool behind acts like Ed Sheeran, KT Tunstall, and Grace McLean. You say step on it, play something, and step on it again in time when you want the loop closed. It will then play the loop over and over again. For some reason, I just felt drawn to it that day. I played around and found these two notes that I liked. I, I played them in a certain rhythm, and then found some notes to harmonize with them. Holy fuck. That sounds full. I said out loud to no one. I figure out the key and chord structure, and the words fell out of my mouth. Roll me over. I'm not sober. I think I've had one too much. I've lost my brain. Life is in vain. And I've lost all self-control. My 
comes together so easily and almost on its own, you didn't write the song. It wrote itself and came out through you. I recorded it on my phone and sent it to Tim. I received this text back. Tomorrow at noon and we'll hammer it out. Don't show anyone else and we'll get the girl back with it. And we did just that. I ran over and we figured out I wanted to let Ange, no, there was no pressure to get back together with me. I know I fucked up royally, and don't expect any forgiveness. Hell, I had co-workers text me stories of what happened. I got so wrecked. So once we figured out the last line in the chorus, there's no pressure here. Just want you to know, these are the stories that I've been told. We named it No Pressure. And Ange took me back on the condition that I seek help. So, 
I was on the gravy train of taking each day one at a time. He was already rolling. Might as well blow the whistle. This has been How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books.